Welcome to the Wellness Hub Podcast, a show dedicated to uncovering the future of healthy living. Each week, we aim to bring you content that supports your personal health journey through insightful conversations with amazing guests. We explore various topics ranging from healthy eating, technology, fitness, mindfulness, and more. Now let's join our host, Drew Mumro, co-founder and CEO of UpMeals, a Vancouver-based food tech startup on a mission to make healthy meals accessible through technology. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Hub. As always, we're thrilled to have you with us for yet another edition of Wellness Wednesdays. Every single week, we're hosting amazing guests discussing important topics ranging from entrepreneurship and technology to health, wellness, fitness, and mindfulness. And as always, we hope you find these conversations valuable and insightful on your own wellness journeys. Our special guest tonight is a dynamic entrepreneur, an innovator, and a true technological visionary. I'm super excited for you to meet our guest tonight and hear his story, which begins with a pivotal decision to forego medical school and set his sights on the roller coaster world that is entrepreneurship. Tonight, we'll be talking about what it means to be an innovator in a constantly changing world, how technology can be leveraged to disrupt traditional business models, and how to create a reliable framework to see explosive growth for your company. Our guest tonight is the president and CEO of Carbone Restaurant Group, an industry-leading restaurant group with a portfolio of various ghost kitchen brands, quick service franchises, and robotic restaurant concepts. They are true revolutionaries, creating high-concept, scalable, sustainable business models that are ushering in the future of the restaurant industry. We're excited for our guest tonight to shed light on how to create a high-growth business model the power of technology in transforming traditional business models and what the future of Canada's restaurant industry will look like and a lot more. So as we discuss these important topics, as always, a reminder, please comment with your questions on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram, or wherever you're watching. We will, as always, be answering audience questions all throughout the show. So without further ado, please welcome our special guest this evening, President and CEO of Carbone Restaurant Group, Benjamin Nasberg. Ben, welcome to the Wellness Hub. Thank you very much, Drew. Very much appreciated. So, you know, Ben, I want to start by asking you a little bit about your education. Uh, it's super interesting to me. You went to the University of Manitoba, graduated bachelor's degree in microbiology, and you even had your eyes on medical school. So what changed for you and how did you pivot into where you are now? It's a great question. So I usually start answering that question by saying my parents are terrible chefs. We used to eat out <laughs> majority majority of our meals were at restaurants. So I came to love restaurants very, very early on in life, whether it was going out or picking up food or getting delivery. So for us, restaurants and eating together was always just a part of our, our family growing up. So I always had a place in my heart for restaurants. Uh, initially, as you mentioned, med school was my plan. I had a, a my actual, my full scope was I wanted to get into med school, have a nice stable career, start investing in the restaurant space because I loved it so much, and then let the future kind of depict itself. So what happened was I actually didn't get into the University of Manitoba's medical school program after my mm. first attempt. Mm. And I believe I was 21 at the time, so 21 or 22. So at that stage, I was, you know, the decision was, let's go travel or let's go right back into it. So I I took the travel route and uh, spent about six months just kind of enjoying life and 
going through that whole journey. And when I got back, I had two friends that were exploring opening their own restaurant. And I was like, really? That's a, that's an odd thing to be doing at this stage. They weren't planning to get into restaurants. I think one was getting into construction. Another one was getting into education. And then uh, the opportunity, they, they discussed the restaurant. I ended up feeling amazing about it. They told me the whole concept. And it ended up being our, our entry into the market. So Carbone Coal Fired Pizza at the time is what, uh, what we opened in 2011. And it was positioned to be Canada's first coal-fired pizzeria, uh, authentic Italian touch, open concept, very family friendly. And no one was doing it that, that, that way in Canada. There's a ton of action in the US and none happening here. So we figured that would be our, our entry point. And we ended up growing that brand to about four locations over uh, four and a half years. And then now the real journey has started. I can get into that a little bit more as I'm sure you have other questions. Yeah, I know it's 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 super interesting just to hear how you just jumped jumped right into this like terrifying and exciting new new opportunity. I mean, was it was it the idea for the restaurant group? Was it was it just your friends sort of getting you on board or was it was there something else that really kind of struck you to want to you know jump into this new entrepreneurial uh, path? Um, it's, that's a good question. So to start, I was, I started my first business actually when I was, I think I was 12. I was always <laughs> had the entrepreneurial mind. I was teaching skateboarding lessons to kids. I was babysitting. So wow. once I got into the whole flow of babysitting, which my parents were just connecting me with people, I was like, I could make an extra 30 bucks by teaching them skateboarding. Cause everyone knew I was a good skateboarder back in the day. So I started adding that to my, my, uh, experience. And then next thing you know, I'm, I started my own math tutoring business, and then when I got into uh, when I was 16, I got into restaurants, and then kept things going. I started a marketing business when I was 18, uh, promoting events and uh, bringing in DJs from all over, uh, all over Canada. The biggest we got to was Tiesto. Actually, we, we did a 5,000 person event in Manitoba, and um, that's kind of where. Everything was going towards events and, and supporting the hospitality scene and you know being a part of it all. So I just had this drive for uh, for for business for restaurants. Wanted to use med school as my my funnel to be able to essentially be financially stable to invest in the space. But then realized I could after you know deciding could I should I go overseas for med school? Should I rewrite the MCAT here and go back through the, through the U of M program, or should I go take this risk that I kind of had in the back of my head as my my plan to you know essentially be at based off of the medical career kind of supporting that why not just start it now I figured I could always go back if I needed to and uh, I think that was about 11 10 or 11 years ago now hard to hard to keep track yeah and and you know and it all changes so fast and one of the things that's that's really kind of apparent right away, anyone that talks to you or kind of interacts with your business is, is your, your love for technology and innovation and, you know, r restaurants and, and pizza in particular are kind of very traditional business models. So talk to me a little bit about how you're innovating that with, with your restaurant group. Sure. So our, our traditional model in the pizza spaces are fast fired by Carbone brand. It's a quick service pizza concept, unlimited toppings, one price, very high quality product. Uh, built as conveniently as possible. So, you know, you can really order gluten-friendly pizzas, you can order traditional pizzas, plant-based pizzas, everything's top-notch and it's uh, an amazing price point. So, you know, that's that's where we started. And then now with 
with all the technology that we've been researching, we felt that robotics was a, a great uh, mm. a great way for us to bring some new technology in a fun way into the food space. So we've actually started working and have a deal where we're going to be producing our own, uh, as you know, high-tech ATMs or vending machines, whatever you want to call them, that have fully autonomous solutions for pizza restaurants. So they're our own fast fire branded pods. Uh, they stock 90 of our dough. So customers can order from their phone, scan a QR code, or order right from the screen itself. And then it autonomously makes the pizza. So it sauces, cheeses, and tops the pizza and bakes it in under three minutes in an electric ventless oven. So it can all be ran sustainably 24 seven, perfect for universities for anyone going through med school. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say we're some universities, I think, that would be uh, signing up to this service like tomorrow uh, when, once once it's launched. So is, is the idea that you would have these sort of standalone kiosks or would they sort of, you know, bolt on to another existing uh, existing operator? Uh, talk to me a little bit about the model. It's super interesting. Yeah. And so we like innovating and are, are, we're open minded. So as our current plan is, we're going to be providing these as franchise solutions. So anyone mm -hmm. who's interested in opening a pizza restaurant, uh, that's essentially a ro robot uh, oh. in, a, in a fast fire branded unit, we would simply have the location scouted just as we would for traditional real estate. It's just a little bit different because we just simply need to work with existing uh, landlords that have a few square footage of space versus 1500 square feet. So we're targeting universities, uh, airports, hospitals, gas stations. We have a partnership with uh, one of the largest gas station providers in, in Canada. They have, you know, about 1500 locations. And we see this as something that can be placed outside of the gas station so that, you know, if it's in a truck uh, heavy area, it doesn't matter what time of day they're coming, they can get a fresh meal for university students studying late or wanting a pizza during lunch. They can order a great pie and watch it being made right in front of them, not have to leave the campus. And, you know, really just learning about what other other ways we can leverage this technology so you know we do see robotics taking shape into the food space just more for convenience customization obviously it's very clean uh, a completely contactless approach to food service so while still stocking the machine and monitoring the machine remotely and using our own high quality product to uh, be able to maintain everything along the way Wow, uh, and this is super exciting. I mean, this is this is the first sort of I'm hearing about your plan for this particular part of your business. It's really super exciting to me. You know, we've talked about you know innovation and and, and now robotics and automation, and of course, the next logical step is for us to touch on touch on ghost kitchens. And this is something that uh, we've talked about a few times here on the Wellness Hub. Uh, I think it's really impressive how you've taken this concept, but but done it at scale. Um, so I, I'd love to know, and I think our listeners would love to know your, your opinion on ghost kitchens and how, how do you see them playing into the future of the food industry? So I love ghost kitchens uh, for a few reasons, not only just from the operational side, but from a, from a consumer side, you know, seeing fun, new, unique concepts pop up and be able to order them conveniently is, is awesome. But more so what we're doing on our end you know, being a franchise-based business, everything we do is to essentially allow our owner-operators to succeed. So we're now opening the door, and what Ghost Kitchens do is essentially open the door to a franchise network of concepts that they don't have to incur any more costs to operate. And, you know, us being a, a pioneer in this space, we're getting in very early on to create great concepts that can be...
currently existing can now increase their top line revenue, maintain their staffing, and not really have as much uncertainty as the restaurant industry has had over the past. So I love it because it leverages third-party delivery, which as we know is not going anywhere. We definitely didn't love that industry when it started because it took so much profitability away from the restaurants. But then at the end of the day, it's added so much convenience, we had to figure out a way to play ball with it, so to speak. So Ghost Kitchens is that next transition where third-party delivery can still be maintained, restaurants can still be profitable, and restaurant owners that are, whether mom and pop or multi-unit owners, can really succeed by leveraging the time spent on our team side to simply continue to operate their business. So, for example, a current burger restaurant that isn't serving plant-based can take on our plant-based burger concept with adding no more equipment. We would onboard them within a two-week process and they would be in business right away, maintaining mm-hmm. their current staffing level. So, you know, all the factors uh, are associated with how can we make restaurants, you know, s- maintain themselves and succeed and pivot. This is the model that we're in now. And I love being on the innovation side and marketing side from restaurants because I've, mm-hmm. I've owned our own and, and know how much time it takes to just be in the business. So now being able to support, you know, restaurant owners all over the world uh, is, is very enlightening. It's amazing. And and one of the things I think that, you know, I want to ask you, uh, and this is especially from some of the the really talented local ghost kitchen operators and concept that we've interviewed here on this show that I kind of talked to about me, this conversation tonight. So, you know, if you're, if you're a local ghost kitchen concept operator, you've got a great business in the local market, what tips or advice would you give those people about how to scale their brand up and do what you've done, which is to expand across Canada? What, what advice would you have for somebody interested in that? I would say to be very open-minded with partnerships because mm. the way I look at business now is you can do it all yourself or you can partner with somebody or a cer- certain group that can get you through the ringer 10 years faster than you would on your own. So the decision that you'd have to make is how is your goal to scale? If so, um, you know, how quickly would you like to achieve that? And would you like to spend all your time and money figuring out yourself? Or would you be open to partnering with a group that's well established to essentially align with you and do that with you? So what we're doing is aligning with like-minded entrepreneurs, even ghost kitchen brand creators and operators and just existing restaurant owners to essentially allow us to succeed because for us, our goal is to scale and build concepts for, for restaurant owners and operators. So, you know, it's just a matter of deciding what is your goal and then saying, you know, I'm willing to partner and align with some great people along the way that will help this journey unfold a lot quicker. Uh, it's awesome. And and I just want to sort of touch on the entrepreneurial side. I mean, as and you know, this probably better than anyone that the, you know, the vision of a concept when you start a business, it, it can undergo ton, tons of changes, right? As, as you scale. So I, I'm curious with your own business, you know, what changes has, has Carboni restaurant group gone and evolved, you know, kind of beyond your expectations since you started it? So when we started, uh, we were a full service family style pizzeria with, you know, 80 to hundred seats. The, uh, the second location actually in Winnipeg, Manitoba that we opened in was in the downtown core. And at the time we decided it was such a good location because our, uh, our current location was doing so well. And we felt all the businesses that were downtown were pretty much our clients 
that would be what we would be able to serve during lunch hour. Mm-hmm. And then in the evenings, we would have some traction from when hockey games are on and concerts, etc. So we decided actually to open in downtown, which was an odd place to open a family style pizza concept, but we did it. And early on, we were right. We saw a lot of traction from lunch. We saw a lot of traction at uh, on game night, but there was tons of uh, other parts of the day, the Wednesday night when there was no hockey on or, you know, Sunday, mm-hmm. even, you know, when there's nothing really going on downtown, there's all these other aspects where we figured, you know, how can we fill our, our seats at this stage? So we started throwing, my background was in event management at the th- prior to that. So I was starting to throw, we would bring in DJs, live bands, local artists. Uh, we would throw tons of events every night of the week. We were starting to get busier and busier and busier. And next thing you knew, the uh, Carbone brand was a well-known Winnipeg name just because of our downtown success. And um, it really put us on the map because we pivoted, you know, several years ago and just figured out how to make that style of concept really work well. And then we kept scaling it. And then by 2016, we, my take was, you know, the, a lot scalable model. We, we discussed as a group, what's our goal? We want to scale across Canada and then eventually go internationally and, and grow this brand across the world. So we felt that doing it as a, as a full service restaurant wasn't the most sustainable way to do it. Um, so we decided to go quick service. So we took mm. all of the values that worked really, really well in our current core concept, which was quality, um, convenience and essentially never never losing foot as to where those two aspects came into our model and then applying it into a quick service setting and then adopting this new fast casual model which was very new at the time and that's where fast fire came to be so in 2016 we came up with the idea in 20 end of 2017 we opened our first location of it and now that's the only brand that we're conveniently scaling from mm. a quick service brick and mortar side of things uh, but now we're integrating all the ghost kitchens and various other concepts and and that's how the journey kind of unfolded we saw the shift to quick service kind of happening in 2016 mm-hmm. 2017 and thank goodness that we did because once 2020 rolled around we were like thank god we're you know not focusing on opening 100 full service family restaurants right now Exactly. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you, you touched on sort of the, the start and I just want to give our, our listeners sort of a sense of the, the scale of kind of what you're operating at now and what your plans are. So, you know, what what markets and, and, and where are you currently operating and, and what's the plan for the next couple of years? So right now we have 20. So we have a deal that was closed recently for 25 locations to open up in British Columbia wow. over the course of the next few years. Um, we have 30 opening in Alberta. We just signed uh, our, we have our eighth location in Saskatchewan now. Uh, We're in Manitoba operating currently with four locations, soon to be six. Uh, Plus we have our location in Regina with two more under construction in that market. Uh, Ontario, we worked out an agreement with a group that's going to be opening 25. Uh, They're starting with the first two as early as next month. And we have partnerships in the works right now overseas and um, things are really starting to take shape. So the wow. U.S. is actually a market that we're going to be entering into with our ghost kitchens as our first play. However, the, the brick and mortar franchising will be taking shape in the U.S. as well very, very soon. So as you know, we have so many different brands within the group now. It's, uh, it's really, really fun for us. It's been, it's been a ton of work, but at this stage, we're very, very focused on 
our core business, which is franchising concepts to great owner operators. So for us, it's just a matter of, you know, now what's the concept, what's the concept in robot, <laughs> a robot. <laughs> which, which like tech platform are you going to funnel this through? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're using shipping containers, traditional real estate and robotics now. So, wow. Yeah. And, and so you, you touched on this earlier. So with you transitioning to this quick service and then ghost kitchen and now future robotics, talk to me about, you know, when 2020 March hit, right. And, you know, COVID COVID sort of, you know, took shut everything down. Like how, how, how was your business affected versus, you know, what would have happened had you not gone into that market? Yeah. So it would have been uh, very close to the end mentally because it would yeah. have been a whole different ball game where we totally. would have had to really start. I think knowing myself, we would have figured it out uh, throughout that time, but you know, it was a lot easier for us to pivot because we already had these, this whole system in place. So it wasn't like we had to get reestablished and start from scratch. We just had to turn the dial up. And actually we spoke to our, our, our team right when COVID hit and everyone was kind of like, you know, we were all, everyone had uncertainty. We didn't know what to do. Um, should we kind of slow down on, on scaling right now? Like, should we turn off the ads that we're running? Should we stop the, the flow? And, um, I said, let me think about it for a day and, and got back to the team the next day and said, double down. <laughs> I, said, I, said, let's, I was waiting let's for that twi- coming. I was like, there's go- no way you took the ads down. Yeah. I, I said, go <laughs> twice as hard because there's more people at home. Who knows what can come from this? Who knows how long it's going to last? Like, we can't live based off of the media's um, negative perception of the world and how everything is crumbling. Whether it was or it wasn't, we decided that as a group in our in our world, we wanted to have some type of control. So we cranked the dial. And you know, through the first 12 months of COVID, we generated 550 franchise leads. Um, we sold all the deals that I just mentioned throughout COVID. And now we're starting to see a lot of the deals take shape because the real estate was a bit of a slower process at the time, but now things are starting to normalize. So, but you know, we got involved with robotics at the, during COVID. We weren't thinking about that as an immediate play we weren't thinking about ghost kitchens immediately but all these things that were in the back of our mind um really came up to the surface seeing how the whole industry was was getting hit and where we saw the future going of food so we felt you know let's leverage technology in every way shape and form let's leverage data to help drive our decisions remove emotion from it and just really see what's going on for the foreseeable future knowing that we can pivot. So that's when ghost kitchens and quick service restaurants really to us became a no brainer because you could pivot your quick service restaurant by cuisine type, by brand type. You can run 20 concepts in one, um, as long as you find the right partner like us to help kind of get you to that point. So it was, it was, it was a blessing in disguise that we saw the the shift in 2016, 17 to quick service. Um, but, you know, there's still some strong operators out there that will fight through this from a full service approach. It's just going to be how they yeah. how they kind of innovate and continue to leverage their real estate. So we want to scale quick um, and efficiently. And for us now, we're able to do that in various ways. So we're excited for the future and we're going to continue to, you know, have our eyes open to see what other opportunities can come our way. 
Yeah. And, and, and that mindset's just, just incredible. Right. And I love sharing that story and that story with our, with our listeners to have like one, this once in a lifetime sort of crisis and your instant reaction is like, let's, let's double down on what we're already doing. Cause I'm that much more confident in it. And that, mm-hmm. that's amazing. And then, you know, I, 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 before we get to our next point, I think some congratulations are in order. I, I saw you, you've just recently cl- closed a two and a half million dollar uh, financing raise. So congratulations on, on that. I know what an achievement that is. And, you know, I just want to ask you sort of what that vote of, of investor confidence means to you and, and what's the plan for using that capital to help grow, grow the business. Yeah, it's a, it was, a, it was a lot of work and we were very excited to have that uh, come in at the time it did, because as you know, same thing, we were looking at how how can we achieve our goal mm-hmm. while this whole uncertainty in the, in the industry is going. And we just started telling our story. And then that's how we got to be able to raise capital during this time. Um, we're, we're leveraging our relationships in the market to help scale our brand. And we figured the more capital we have now, we can really put, uh, it's essentially just you know, light a fire under our, our, our bums. I don't know if I should say asses on this. Yeah, I think you can say it. Yeah. This just, is, I did, I'm not I sure just, for a family program. It's a podcast. I, I, I just said both. Yeah. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're through it now, but uh, we lit a fire under it. And now we're able to use the this to use that capital to hire a few more rock stars onto our team, continue to innovate and, and create these new concepts and new ideas and, and get them into the market as quickly as possible. So, you know, the use of those funds is to really uh, capitalize on the Canadian market. We're going to continue to grow and there's going to be lots of opportunity for us to scale and continue to bring on in new investors and, and really show our investors who trusted us very early on what we're truly capable of. So it was very, very grateful for uh, being in a position to to achieve that. Uh, very thankful to our investors and to our franchise partners and all of our customers and everyone along the way, because all we're doing is telling our story and it's telling people that, you know, we're on the right path. You know, I've been, as you know, I've been plant-based for over six years now. We support as many uh, animal shelters and food banks and, and whatnot as possible. You know, we're always focused on the community and, you know, in Winnipeg, for example, even when, even when COVID hit with one of our locations, we actually pulled two of our locations together and took all the food when we were forced to close, we took all the food and donated it to the, the closest uh, food bank that was in mm. the space in the market. Sorry. So, and they were like, what the heck's going on? Don't you need this? Or, you know, you're going to be open soon. And we're like, we don't know. Um, you guys need it more than we do. Mm. And we donated the, the, a few thousand dollars worth of food. And then that actually catapulted an, an initiative that I actually started called the restaurant emergency support fund. And we started providing, while rest, our restaurants could operate, we were providing meals to um, to homeless shelters in Manitoba, and we were raising uh, donations that the food banks and, and whatnot were essentially purchasing the goods from us at cost so that we could maintain our staffing levels. And they were getting food, fresh food, restaurant-quality meals uh, for their members and anyone in the community that needed a meal. So we were always getting things going and always maintaining and supporting the community at every step of the way. And I think that's why people, when it comes to an investment angle, looked at us and said, you know, these this group is is here to stay. They're going to find a way to win at the end. And we appreciate what they're doing at the end of the day because we are here for the better good. And um, any dollar we make, you know, will go back into the ecosystem so that we can continue to to grow and and build sustainable businesses. 
Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Ben. That's super uh, inspiring uh, for our audience and for me as well, listening to your incredible story. And even with all of that going on, all of those that amazing work that you're doing, just knowing you the way that I do, you're the kind of guy that's just always got something else coming down the pipe. So I guess my, my question that I'm curious to ask you is, you know, do you have any other interesting projects that you're working on right now that you'd like to share? Yeah, so one that I'm very, very passionate about that uh, we we felt we needed to act on right away is in the pet food space. So mm. we've, you know, the, the whole plant-based movement and healthy lifestyle movement, if you, if you really look at the facts, like you got to eat the food that you were meant to eat. The less hands it touches along the way is is only it's not going to help so you know as as you guys know without meals providing healthy quality meals for you know fast variety of clients and uh, in in the market we're, we're looking to do the same thing but in, in this event we're seeing the shift right now towards healthy human grade pet food so my i'm was walking our dog molly who's a rescue we've always rescued our, our pets uh, growing up and i was walking with her and i'm you know, throughout this whole COVID thing, it's just been a lot of light bulbs going off. Like you hear, you're, we were brought up, you know, told to drink milk to get our vitamin D and, you know, eat bread and all this stuff. And you're kind of like, if that was what we were told, then what's the next thing that's going to come yeah. up? Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. And so I'm looking at Molly and I'm like, I feel like something could be up with your food. Let's let's look into this. So I figured, I, and I started seeing the, you know the subscription models for pet food coming out and they're not your traditional kibble so i just wanted to get to the bottom of it because i felt that if there was something there i'd like to allow our our child our we treat molly as a as, as a child in our family mm -hmm. you know want her to eat as well as possible so i started looking into the market and spoke to about 10 different animal nutritionists and vets and everyone told me the same thing and i my jaw dropped they're all just like kibble is shit you know kibble is not it doesn't matter if it says premium it doesn't matter what it says on the label kibble is not a way to have your dog live a long healthy happy life so i said well what's the what is the right way and they were like food <laughs> like give the animal vegetables <laughs> the same give. stuff that you eat right like yeah, <laughs> yeah like it's it's not yeah it's, it's not rocket like, but but nobody so, thinks about it that way and but you are and that's what's that's what's amazing about this yeah so yeah. we're not so we're now sort of so the roll down, but what we're doing now is we have Good Pupco launching, which is going to be one of the, the world's first uh, ghost kitchen for pets. And it's all wow. human quality uh, nutrition, animal nutritionist designed meals that you can order through Skip the Dishes, DoorDash, Uber. Um, it's actually designed based off of your animals, um, their breed, their weight, their activity level. Uh, what kind of meal they're currently on because our our thoughts and our and our research has shown that you can switch up your pet's meals as long as you're aware of the nutritional value which we do so you know pets should be eating whether it's a raw food or lightly cooked uh, meal versus a, a pellet or kibble so as we do this as we continue to scale we're simply looking to make healthy pet food uh, convenient as convenient as possible so if you're on your phone ordering dinner for yourself or ordering your meals for the week through up meals you know you can order our pet but good pupco meals for your pet throughout the week or for the month through our subscription program and really start enjoying life to the fullest not only for yourself but for your animals well-being and just drew this is the crazy part is that every nutritionist i ask them so what's the lifespan of an average animal that goes on a kibble diet versus a 
a whole foods diet or a raw foods diet or a lightly cooked diet. And they said about double every single it's, one. It's of them. insane. Yeah, it's it's and, it's and, it's insane. Yeah. And I believe you're aware of you. You mentioned your your pet. Uh, yeah, this, I mean this this was uh, you know the the first dog that I had, and I don't you know I haven't don't really talk about this so much, but but again I I had a, a dog who was a Great Dane, and that dog <sighs> never tasted kibble in his entire life. I just felt like why well, I didn't want to serve that. I actually prepared fresh like raw food. I made it all myself, and the average life expectancy for a Great Dane, the huge big dogs, is like seven years. That dog lived to be almost double that, almost 13, 13 years old. So um, you know, seeing that I, I I lived that first firsthand and saw that saw the benefit, and to have somebody like you who's now taking that and turning it into something that everyone can access is 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 remarkable and it's it's true and i've seen the value firsthand so you know su super uh, important work and i can't wait to see what what becomes of of that of that brand um yeah i, I want to sort of put you on the spot a little bit here i know it's a tough tough question to answer but i i want to yeah. ask for our listeners what it what is the most single most valuable lesson you've learned about about life or business or anything in between in your time as the ceo and leader of this company i think it's that you decide on your state. So if you're having a bad day in life or in business, you can decide right then and there that you're going to have a great effing day, you know, and, and you've probably heard that. And I'm sure your listeners may have heard that just put a smile on or, you know, pat yourself on the back and pop out of bed and let's just start a great day. It, it is crazy to me how easy it is to change your state to essentially put yourself in a, in a position where you can have an awesome day, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how negative the news is, no matter what's happening to your business, no matter what's happening in your life, you can literally look at it and say, this is happening for me, not to me. And I'm gonna smile and I'm gonna use this as a learning experience and carry forward. Because if you go through life and you keep making the same mistakes or you make no take no risks, you're not gonna have a full fulfilling life in my opinion. So I think that if you go at it in an approach where you know that you can decide on how you want your life to unfold, whatever it is you're passionate about, you can achieve that and essentially just design your day and your your environment to suit that. So mm. that that's where, you know, healthy food, healthy living, healthy mindset, everything that, you know, exercising, all of that good stuff it's 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 simple we have to go back to the basics and just realize you can decide you can bring yourself back into a good state with your breath drinking water eating clean food it's not rocket science but the whole world's just taking your attention away and providing you all these other solutions that aren't really good for you or the better good and now we're starting to see how that's taking a toll on the world so i think it's just you can decide how you want to design your life. It's that easy. You might not believe it, but I think if you start with something at in some point of your day where you're typically, you know, not in the right mindset, you can find a way to shift it pretty quickly. So that would be my main thing because it's you're only as good in your business as you are in your real life. So mm. I'd say start with yourself, and then the rest will unfold. Yeah, I love that you you've touched on that sort of integration with the with your with yourself and how you're performing with your business. I think a lot of entrepreneurs try to try to separate that and they try to go into what you know hustle mode and hustle hustle is great, but then you 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 need to integrate the things that make you happy as a person because that'll translate to things that make you happy in business and success. And that's a really important thing that's 
easier said than done, I think, for a lot of people that are figuring this out. Um, so thank you. Thank you. And, you know, I, I, we, we talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show. We talk to a lot of, you know, CEOs that are emerging, but perhaps are feeling this kind of imposter syndrome, you know, like I'm the CEO because I started the company, but I don't really feel like I should be or I, like I deserve that. So, you know, I'd love to know from your experience now, after years of doing this job, what makes a great CEO and, and, and what strengths should that person have? So that's another good one. So I think you have to be willing to learn every single day because you don't know everything. And there's other people out there that have been through what you're either a trying to accomplish or will accomplish. And in aligning yourself with someone who's done it before is one of the most valuable lessons in that front. So at the time when I first started and when I started with my partners, you know, we were young and we were kind of in it where it's just like, we're going to figure this shit out ourselves. We're going to do yeah. it all ourselves. We're not going to ask for help because we're young and we know how to get shit done. That was kind yeah. of our mindset. And then it was like, well, there's actually <laughs> tons wait, of wait other, a minute. Yeah. <laughs> there's this other ways to easy. do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's people that actually want to help us that we thought were just trying to take our ideas or yada, yada, yada. So what I think is important is, your the way you do one thing is how you do everything so your your personal life if you're unorganized and you're kind of last minute and you're uh, trying to figure everything out at the last minute like that you're going to run your business the same way you, you could be organized in business and all of that but if you, you go into your back into your life and it's in shambles you're not going to be able to sustain it so mm -hmm. one's going to take over the other so i think you know, what's really important that I've learned is you got to always keep learning and learn about life and learn about learn about yourself so that you know how to manage your yourself better than anyone and know your weaknesses so you can partner with your weaknesses and or hire your weaknesses. So there's nothing more cost. Uh, like the biggest cost is your the lost opportunity and or timeline it takes you to really get something from A to Z. So if you're really good with numbers and you partner with someone that's really good with numbers, good luck. Even though you're, they're your best friend, it's not going to be a business partnership that you can align with. So you need to have someone that's good with operations, someone that's good with marketing, hire someone that's good with accounting. If you're not, you know, like you got to really know what you're good at and then learn about business systems and structures through all of the books that are out there that you can search on your fingertips and get for free now and just keep reading upon general market conditions and history and just any biography and someone that's been successful before continue learning because i didn't do it that way at the start and then i started reading you know a book a week now two books a week and now listening while i'm working out or walking the dog and reading as much as possible and i'm integrating these things into my business and life as it's happening i'm taking an info and it's like oh that's a cool way to try this conversation out i'm going to do that and it worked and then it's like wow i just came across something that would probably take you 10 years to figure out thank god i started reading so i think that uh the, the main thing is to always be learning and then integrating it into your business because as a ceo and, and as an entrepreneur as well it, it's a different role an entrepreneur and a ceo are very different they have similar minds i would say at the start because you want to do everything but a ceo is focused on innovation and marketing and team whereas an entrepreneur is looking at it where like i can do everything i'm going to figure it all out and it's a little bit more challenging so mm. i still have i have the entrepreneurial side in me and that's how i got going for the ceo role 
I'm leading the pack in an organized way. I don't want each individual doing everything. I want them focused and I need them to be focused on a system. So my role as a CEO is to essentially a hold everyone accountable, provide them the systems and the resources to be able to achieve our goals that we collectively decide on and continue to find new opportunities from our innovation side so that, you know, we're continuing to be ahead of the curve while the operations team and general team is, is essentially managing the core business that we have right now. So we're, we're always doing what's relevant, but we're also creating what we feel will be the future. So we're never going to be behind ever again. And that's what we want to provide back to the restaurant community as well, because we know when you're running your business, restaurants for sure, any business, but when you're running a restaurant, you're just thinking about that day or that week. It's really hard to think about that month, that quarter, that year, that next five years. So mm -hmm. you need, and with technology out there and data out there, if you're not doing it, someone else is. And, mm -hmm. and we feel that everyone should be uh, able to utilize it in a very meaningful way. So we're essentially saying we're in the franchise based business. We know systems. We love branding and marketing and partnerships. Here's everything you need to do. Uh, let's have a great relationship and grow together. And that's, and that's essentially my, my vision and my role and, and what we do every day. And yeah, it's it's just so awesome. You distilled it in such a such a clear way, and I, I I really you know connected with some elements of your story, like especially with with you know my progression as well. I mean, when I when I started, I I wanted to be the like just the best chef, and I wanted to do it my way, and I wanted didn't want anyone else to help me, and I figured I was going to figure this all out, and like very quickly I realized two things: one, like I am getting rocked, and number two, <laughs> like two, there are a lot of people that want to help me and are willing to do it for free if I just ask and yeah. I can get there a lot faster. So like, but every, I think every entrepreneur or CEO, whatever, however you want to, ha, like has to go through that tribulation and realize it on their own. Like, do, would you agree with that? Like everyone's got their own journey and that's a big part of it. Yeah. I think that they don't have to go that route, but they tend to from my experience. Like if someone Maybe was... people smarter than I, I don't go that route, but, but for, <laughs> yeah, for me, I, think, uh, I was not so lucky. Yeah. I'm on your, I'm with you hundred <laughs> percent. I think that's the norm. I don't think it has to be, you know, maybe it wasn't the norm, um, but it's definitely the more common way to go. It's like, let's figure it out ourselves and then ask for help when we're completely screwed. <laughs> so, um, it's it's interesting because yeah like it's a it's a book away to pretty much you know or a click away to really find out everything you ever needed to know on a certain scenario and and a partner could be right there and you know if if we decided that uh we were just going to do it ourselves every step of the way and you know we wouldn't be where we are today so it's about partnerships being open-minded learning always learn always i love growth so but part mm -hmm. of growth is learning right so mm -hmm. and then i i'm looking forward to be able to to give back to the community from a business sense uh you know provide all the things i've learned down to anyone who's looking to start a business or grow a business i mean we're we're putting in we're putting people into business every single you know almost every day when it comes to our our business model we're creating concepts and scaling them and saying you know to partners like let's let's you want to operate a business we want to help you succeed so let's rock and roll and that's that's what we get excited about and um, getting into what we're talking about with ghost kitchens etc that just allows it to happen a lot quicker and at a low a lot lower cost so super exciting for us because it's just it's what we've dreamt of this whole time it's just now allowing us to get it done a lot faster 
Wow. I, I, I think a lot of our listeners are being excited, myself included, to follow your, your progress, your journey through the next year or two. I, I can't wait to see what you guys do next. Uh, I, I've got one, a couple of quick questions before we get into some audience questions, which are now pouring in from, from YouTube and Facebook here. So what is your favorite form of self-care? We've talked about all this incredible work you're doing, but you know, how, how, do you, how do you unwind? How do you make sure you're taking care of yourself? So uh, I'd say meditation. Is, mm. is the big one it's nice. it could be done in a few ways too like i've i love walking the dog so sometimes it's just breath work as you're walking but you know 15 minutes in the morning really kind of helps you set your day up for success mm -hmm. and um, i didn't really appreciate meditation when i first i think it was again it's one of those things that when it was brought up um back when we were growing up it was more like of a hippie thing and not really recognized as like a real way to live every day to mm -hmm. enjoy it and understand it. So meditation for me is something that I've incorporated pretty recently in my life. And I think that's uh, something that everyone should be doing five minutes, 15 minutes, breathe, breath work. It's really all you need to do. It's I, I've just, again, in researching and reading six deep breaths can reset your entire nervous system. So whatever state you're in, you can reset yourself in six deep breaths and that takes you know, under a minute. So it's uh, words of wisdom to anyone who's, you know, classify themselves, which they aren't stressful, but as a stressed person, they can simply use their breath to bring them back to uh, the groundwork. So I think meditation is, is key. And uh, then the rest is, you know, you set your day up with, you know, the right, right breakfast or whatever time you're going to eat your first meal, eat the right clean, you know, fruit bowl or what have you mostly plant-based, I would recommend. Uh, it helped me a lot in, in getting onto a more healthy track. So, but whatever works for everyone, I think as long as you're sticking to the basics with, you know, being aware of your breathing, drinking water, eating clean food, the rest takes care of itself, you know? Mm. Mm. Uh, we're going to get to some audience questions here. We've got quite a few uh, pouring in. We've got one coming in from YouTube here. This is an interesting one. What, what are your thoughts on a vegan diet for pets? Very interesting. So I know there's vegan pet food out there. I think it's based off of your pet's, um, your pet's activity level. Mm -hmm. I think that the, I think pets were designed from what I've researched to take in meat. Uh, most of the nutritionists we work with have 70% of their uh, their meals that they prepare are, are with uh, animal protein. So I think that there is a need for uh, pets to take in uh, a meat-based diet. However, incorporating plant-based meals into their diet, I definitely agree with. Um, you can feed your dogs, you know, banana and carrot and all that good stuff, and they'll love it. It's 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 there for them. Animals are in the wild, so whatever whatever they could eat that comes from the ground, or you know, if they happen to come across a uh, an animal that they're they're chasing down, that's just part of the, that journey. So I think that it's it's an interesting space. Um, I haven't seen enough research that plant based is the right thing for pets, but uh, so so far I'm I'm certain that healthy human grade meals for pets are cert are a thing, and currently. Meat should be a part of that diet, and um, but again, it's all we base our decisions off research. So if I, I don't see the pet industry uh, 
removing meat at all completely. If if both are involved, then it could be based off of the certain uh, dietary needs of that specific pet. Mm. It's a great question. I'm on the side that animals do need to eat uh, a meat-based diet, incorporating vegetables as well. So that's where I'm at with it. Okay. And it sounds like it's a pretty, this is a pretty emerging new market, lots of research. So, I mean, who, who knows what we'll uncover as you navigate this journey, but very, very helpful. And, and actually a really great question from our audience. Um, yeah. We've got another question coming in. This is a really good one too. With, with all of your planned expansions, how are you going to maintain the consistency and the quality and the product offering? That's a great question. That's, this, is that's, like a pitch, this is like a pitch Q&A here, getting grilled, is, uh, Mr. Awesome. CEO. Let's, let's go. <laughs> this is like a franchise panel. So <laughs> franchising is all about systems. So, you know, it's all about what's, what can you do to rep, that's replicatable. So we spend all of our time on the corporate side developing menus and systems for the execution of those items to be done so that it could be done, you know, essentially anywhere that we decide to be operating. We align with the food supply. So we're a part of the food supply chain, uh, obviously the build out and equipment sourcing and the whole layout. So, and then the training is done mainly online right now, but there is a lot of great use for video. And as you guys know, you can pretty much teach anyone to make a meal just through a video now. So we're, we're essentially spending the majority of our time leveraging technology now to be adopted in the training side of things. So when we onboard, uh, ghost kitchen operators of ours or franchisees of ours, we do a robust training program that usually is about 10 to 14 days uh, prior to them fully entering into the market. And then, you know, as you know, everyone takes photos of their food now. So it's very easy for us to manage uh, what's really taking place at the store levels through checking up online, uh, seeing reviews that are coming in through the funnels out there and uh, continuing to implement secret shops and pop-in visits to ensure that there's consistency along the way. It's uh, it's essentially just a system that it, anyone can operate. It's just that if that's the kind of business they want to be in, then we can provide them a solution for that. So you can have a pizza um, here or, or in the U.S. or overseas from Fast Fired, and it's going to be the exact same because we have the right systems in place to trade. Yeah, great, great answer. And always, always a question that needs to be really, really thought out. Um, and, and we've got we've oh, we've got a this is a, a hot button topic coming in now and bit a bit of a bit of a lighter question now as we switch from getting grilled pineapple on pizza. Yes or no? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm plant based. So the more the merrier. I love pineapple. Pineapple I am 1,000% on Team Pineapple as well, where uh, Wellness Hub is all all Team Pineapple <laughs> all, all the time. Um, okay, what? Uh, this is a great question as well. I just love talking about this. W what helps you to face adversity and not be discouraged? Question from YouTube. That's a good one too. I think it's just, again, going back to knowing that you can control your your destiny, essentially, your mindset, everything can be controlled by the decisions you make. So the more you learn, the more you see other people and other industries and other businesses that have gone through so much, uh, so much shit. And you can see that they came through it by essentially a starting with the right mindset and, and knowing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So it's really just a matter of, you know, staying grounded yourself, because then it doesn't matter what comes your way you know you have certainty in yourself you have you know faith that you're going to figure it out your team is going to figure it out 
and anyone that's aligned with you is going to join you on that journey. So I think it's just a matter of like, going back to, you know, yourself being, being set up so that you have certainty in your, um, in your own mind and then living your life based off of that in any aspect. So whether it's personal life or business, um, or just in your career, it's, it's, you know, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So you just have to essentially just decide that you're going to uh, always figure it out and have faith that you're going to succeed. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And we've got a, another great question coming in. We'll get to uh, one or two more here. Um, they're pouring in from our channels. Uh, Erica on YouTube asks, one thing you wish you knew before starting this business or any advice to your younger self? <laughs> Holy smokes. <laughs> we, we, we could do another episode on that question for a whole so, other episode on that question. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say one is get a mentor immediately. Mm -hmm. That would allow Great. you to um, you know, find a mentor that has done what you want to do. And that's either, you know, still doing it or, or completed it. But there, that's one thing to have a coach, uh, either a coach or, or an accountability partner, someone that you can talk to that's going to give you shit if you don't stay on path, uh, mm -hmm. your path. And that could be a friend that's working on their own business that's in a different market. That could be a teacher. That could be a family member. It's got to be someone that you, you just trust and know that they're not going to uh, – they're going to listen, but they're also going to hold you accountable. I think that's super important. And then three uh, – I'll do two more. Three, learn every day. Read as much as possible. Read on, you know, read 30 minutes to an hour at least a day just on, you know, a biography or uh, something nonfiction that's in the industry you're going into or just another industry in general because sometimes you can learn something about your industry from reading something about another industry. You could be reading about an airline business and apply it to your business even if you're in the food space. So that would be the third thing. And then the fourth thing would be hire or partner with your weaknesses. Don't partner with the same strengths as yourself because then there's going to be a bit of friction and uh, you'll stunt your growth very early on. Amazing insights, super actionable. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for the great, the great questions from the audience as always here on, on the wellness hub. Uh, we, we've got a, uh, just a couple last questions. All, every conversation we have here on the wellness hub is different. There's one question that's the same. I, I got to know, Ben, what is your favorite go-to meal for yourself? Oh boy. It's, it's always be, a it, tough one. Yeah. It depends on the day. So uh, sorry. It depends on the part of the day. So I love, uh, I love fruit bowls with granola and coconut yogurt in the morning. Mm. Uh, yeah, my wife's vegan as well. She's an amazing chef. She makes these amazing like breakfast sandwiches that are plant-based, gluten-free. Mm. Uh, I don't even know what she puts in them, but I, I eat them anytime she makes those. So that's definitely another. And then I just had an amazing gluten-free plant-based pizza from Fast Fire for dinner tonight. So I love having the old Fast Fire pizza as much <laughs> as possible. I guess it's on this side. I can't tell. Yeah, you, you got, yeah, I, I absolutely. And, and, you know, great, great choice. I like that you gave a range. It was like giving a menu, like you didn't just pigeonhole yourself <laughs> into one thing. Uh, I love the diversity. Um, you know, Ben, I, I, I love this conversation. I want to know for our listeners here who are curious to know more about you, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and the projects you're involved in? 
a great uh, a great way would be to you know you can always send us a note through our our Carbone Restaurant Group uh, website www.carbonerestaurantgroup.com. On social media, we have our Fast Fired by Carbone handle. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I don't have my own personal Instagram at this time, but soon to come. And uh, just keep keep up with our journey. Uh, we we're pretty active online, so if you ever have interest or questions in the business front. You'd feel free to reach out to our site or send us uh, a message and, and let them know that you, you heard about me or on the Wellness Hub and we'd love to have a, a chat. Always happy to uh, help out in any way I can. Thank you so much, Ben. And we're, I, I know how busy you are. It really means a lot to me. You took the time to come on come on the show, share all your insights, your wisdom, your experiences uh, with our listeners. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what you're going to do next uh, with all your endeavors. So so thank you so much for joining us and, and hope we can connect again soon. Thanks, Drew. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Wow. I absolutely love talking to Ben, his wealth of knowledge and insight is just so apparent when you speak to him and his passion. I always feel like I, I just should be writing notes furiously when we're having a conversation. Having seen him create and grow Carboni Restaurant Group from scratch, I just marvel at his ability to you know, skillfully navigate scaling a business. Like It's such a complex thing and he makes it seem easy. And hearing Ben speak on the various levels of innovation taking place at his restaurants, it makes you sit back in awe of the enormous untapped potential in traditional business models. I think the quality that separates innovators from the rest of people is their ability to look at a solution and think there has to be a better way of doing this. I think there's an incredible lesson hidden in there. And it, at its core, it's simply not to settle for your first solution. I think there's a point where as entrepreneurs or as a professional in any field, you have to ask yourself, do I want to settle for good enough solutions? Or do I want to push myself to discover the height of my potential? And I think what truly drives great innovators is an innate curiosity about the world and about themselves. The pursuit of innovation is as much about testing the limits of yourself as it is about testing the limits of technology. And we always love to leave you with a question to ponder here on the Wellness Hub. So the question I'll leave you with today is what drives your curiosity? Are you willing to push yourself to discover the potential that remains untapped? Innovation can't happen overnight. It's a process. It's a long and arduous process that can often feel like pushing a boulder up an endless mountain. But as we know, even the tallest mountains are never endless. It's just a matter of how far we're willing to push to get to the other side. Thank you for tuning in tonight. If you'd like to see more great conversations like this, please remember to like, comment and subscribe and follow us on YouTube, Instagram and LinkedIn at Upmeals. We'll see you next Wednesday evening right here on the Wellness Hub for another great conversation. I'm Drew Monroe. Until then, take care and be well.